to People Who Suffer. My name is Andrew, and I'm doing this podcast to help people who suffer. I want you to know that I understand you. I've done a lot of suffering in my life, and I'm hoping that the things that I share through this podcast will resonate with you in some way that it will help you understand a little bit about why you suffer and how to do a lot less of it. So there has been a pretty big break since the last episode I recorded. Uh, all sorts of reasons for that, but none of them are actually valid. It just, uh, just took some time off. And, um, and I'm back now, continuing with uh, part two of the, uh, the episode where I talked about uh, my brief death experience. And again, I refer to it as a brief death experience, not a near-death experience, because I think a near-death experience doesn't capture at all what occurs. Um, brief death experience is really what happens in most of these things that we refer to as NDEs, because what has happened is the experience you're having is no longer coming from your physical self. It is coming from somewhere else. And as this podcast goes on, I'll get more into detail about that. But uh, anyway, I talked about that in the last episode, and I talked about the, the, the short period of relief from suffering that I felt when I came back from that. But that was in 2006, and, uh, and then a couple of years went by, and I had just left off uh, the last episode talking about meeting uh, a man named Steve Chandler now. I cannot say enough about Steve Chandler. Steve Chandler is one of the most incredible humans on the planet. Um, and I was fortunate enough to meet him, hear him speak, and then receive an insight in a time of really pretty serious desperation for me. And I won't go into details about that, but... I was at a, at a low point where I didn't really know what I was going to do. And so the long and short of it is that I met Steve Chandler. I reached out to him through his website, found his phone number on his website, called him, left him a message, and he called me back a couple of days later. And he said, I'm pretty intrigued by your message I am in the process of selecting an apprentice right now. Um, he was a life coach, corporate trainer, public speaker, author of many books, and really overall difference maker in the lives of just so many people. And he was taking on an apprentice that he would train in all of his material so that they could teach it as their own and um, he, he called me back and said, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by your call because on the, the answering machine, I had left this message. I said, you don't know me, but I want to know what you know and do what you do. And that was my cry of desperation, I think, at the time. And so he said, let's go to lunch. So we went to lunch and we, uh, we really had a strong connection. And he was just such a delightful human and had such a presence about him. And I really felt inspired for the first time in a pretty long time. 
And our lunch went really well, and we hit it off in a lot of different ways. And at the as we were coming towards the end of our time together, he said, okay, so I have a couple of people who have talked to me about being my apprentice, but I would like it to be you. And this is not a sales tactic. It's just the general feeling that I have. There's something about you. I think that this would be just really a good thing. I think I could help you, and I think you'd really like it. Um, And there's just something about you that, you know, makes sense for this. And I said, well, what does it entail? And he said, well, it's a $50,000 upfront non-refundable fee. And with that, you get, uh, I will train you in everything that I teach. You can teach it as your own. Um, And you will be part of my programs. You will get to participate in, uh, you know, my speaking events and I'll give you a bunch of books and I will meet with you every week for a year and coach you. And I looked at him and said, well, um, I, I'm flattered. I, I think that's what I said. I'm flattered, um, that you think I would be good for this. I see one problem. I have $186 in my bank account right now. I really don't know where the next substantial money is going to come from. And he said, do you see that as a problem? And I was taken aback. I just kind of, well, clearly you don't. So let's talk more about that. He said, let's do this. I will coach you a couple of times and we'll just see where it goes. If you're able to create the money to work with me, then you'll be able to do that. And, And if you don't, uh, no big deal. We we will you'll get some coaching and uh, we'll we'll get to establish a relationship. Well, um, so we came over to my home office, and he helped me with a lot of things. Actually, in that first session, I I remember a lot of it. He helped me with uh, the relationship that I carried around to my parents and my family, and um. And really, if that one conversation had been the only conversation we ever had, it probably would have made a lasting difference in my life. But the thing that he said that really woke me up to possibility more than anything else is he asked me a question and he said, is there anyone who could be served by what you know that you're not currently thinking of? And my first reaction was to be defensive a little bit and say, well, of course, you know, I said this in my mind. I thought to myself, of course, if there was somebody that I could serve where I could make some money to get out of working part time as a baggage handler for America West Airlines so that I could start supporting my family and doing something like that. Now, keep in mind, this was 2008. Um, actually I think it was 2009 at this point. Uh, No, 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 it was 2008 and we were in the midst of the beginning of the great recession. Um, I had lost everything and, uh, not just lost everything, but owed against everything that I had lost. And I was in a really difficult financial position. Um, but, uh, Uh, then after a moment of, you know, defensiveness around that question, I thought to myself, well, 
who is there? And it occurred to me that I had met someone at a car wash a couple of weeks earlier who mentioned that they might be interested in investing in real estate. And so I, I said that name to him and he said, well, that's a good place to start. Why don't you call him? I said, I will. Um, he said, no, just do it now. So I looked the guy's name up in my phone. I called him and he said, yeah, I'd love to meet with you about that. Well, that was the beginning of, of some pretty substantial change for me. And um, I was able to make enough money in the next 60 days to hire Steve Chandler as my coach and become his apprentice. And I did end up working with him for a long, long time. And I'm so incredibly grateful for what I learned from him. He taught me things and showed me new ways to think about things that really did save my life. Um, and I know that in, you know, in the world in which we live, we can only know the experience that we're having. And we can't really go back and say, if this hadn't happened, here's what would have happened. And there's been lots of movies that have touched on this. Uh, my favorite is an older one called Sliding Doors that came out when I was in college that basically showed the difference in, I think it was Gwyneth Paltrow's life, if she had made it onto the tube in England, like the subway train, or if those sliding doors had closed and she hadn't made it, and then it followed the path of her life just based on the different things that would have happened um, because of you know, one chance experience. And then of course there's the butterfly effect and lots of other things have kind of tackled this. But the reality is that we don't get to know what our lives would have been like had things not happened. But I can with near certainty say that had I not met Steve Chandler when I did, had I not apprenticed with Steve Chandler, and Steve Chandler will be a guest on this podcast sometime in the not-too-distant future. Um, but had those things not happened, here are a few things I know. I wouldn't have been functional. I wouldn't have returned to the world of serving people. I wouldn't have been able to make even the amount of money that I did to somehow stay afloat um, and uh, provide a life for my family, I wouldn't have been the parent I became. I wouldn't have had the relationships that I had. And so much of what has worked for me in my life, I attribute to that time that I spent with Steve Chandler. And we're still great friends. Uh, and now it's 2022, so it's been 14 years. We play and sing music together and uh, just talk from time to time. I've done many of his programs, and I know a lot of the people that he served. And it's just, again, I, I can't express enough gratitude for, for this man. And you would all be well served to look him up and listen to his programs. And if you um, participate in his programs, read his books, buy them, whatever you need to do. And if you want... Um, more information on him than you find online, just reach out to me through my website. I'm happy to connect you with him or share with you, you know, what he's taught me. Um, it'll all be very helpful. So I worked with him for a long time. And um, 
and again, it did make me functional and, and things started to work better. There was, however, this ongoing feeling of suffering that persisted. And it didn't seem to matter how much external wisdom I brought into my life or whether it made me functional, if I earned some money or didn't. I still had this tightness, this tension. I've described it to a number of people um, that I've worked with who have been trying to figure out how to describe their own experience of anxiety as the feeling that you get right at the top of the roller coaster right before you're about to go over the edge and there's that tension in your stomach and anxiety and fear. And I had just learned to live with this. And so this persisted and stayed on in my life. So my search to feel better didn't end. I continued to read a lot of uh, personal development books, listen to things, look here, look there. Talked to Steve about it a lot. And then one day in 2017, he called me up and he said, have you heard of this thing called the three principles? And I said, no. And he said, well, I've been learning about this thing called the three principles now for a couple of years. And just to make it really short right now, quick introduction to the three principles Um, And if you really want to know more about the three principles, I would go to a website called sidbanks.com, S-Y-D-B-A-N-K-S.com, and look under streaming video and watch um, the first 32 minutes of the Long Beach Lectures, and you will get a very good view into the three principles. And my anticipation is after you do that, you will continue to do that. And if you want more from me, again, reach out to me. I'm happy to share with you what I know. Um, But anyway, he said, the three principles seem to be making a difference in the way a lot of people feel. And it's becoming quite a big movement inside of the coaching world. And I'm going to a conference in LaConnor, Washington, that is going to be led by a couple of three principles facilitators um, named George and Linda Pransky. And they're pretty big deal in the three principles community and another resource for great things. George, I think they co-wrote something called the relationship handbook and a tremendous book. Um, it might be just George that wrote that. No, I'm pretty sure Linda wrote that as well. Anyway, um, he said, I would love for you to come to this conference with me. Well, here's what I know about Steve Chandler. He doesn't have bad ideas. So when he suggests that I do something, I I'm on board immediately. And that was scheduled for February 4th through 7th of 2017. And I said, yeah, I'm in. So we went, we attended this conference, and uh, George and Linda talked about these things called the three principles, and they kind of didn't talk about them, and I really didn't know entirely what was going on there. It was an interesting experience, but what I did notice is that I started to feel a little bit better And I saw a couple of things differently in my life. And uh, it was a four-day, three-day conference, I guess, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And Sunday morning, they asked the attendees if uh, they had had any sort of insights or breakthroughs while they were there. And a couple people answered that question. I put up my hand and I said, yeah, I got something that's uh, 
It may not seem like a big deal to you, but it feels like a pretty big deal to me. And uh, they said, yeah, go ahead, share that. And I said, well, <clears throat> last night um, I was in my room about nine o'clock and I was tired and I got in bed and I laid down and I went to sleep. Now, that may not sound like a big deal to anyone here, but I've been an insomniac since I can't even tell you when. And for me to fall asleep at night, I generally, and by general I mean all the time, had to do something to calm my mind down. I had to watch a video or watch The Office or something on Netflix. or I had to do something, and it would take me getting absolutely exhausted before I'd fall asleep. And my family knows that I've been up nearly, at, at that point in my life, I had been up nearly every night until 1, 2, 3 o'clock. Every night that they'd known me, I just could not sleep. And then I would wake up the next morning exhausted, have a hard time getting out of bed. And I said, well, last night that didn't happen. Um, I fell asleep. And then I woke up this morning at like 6 o'clock feeling pretty good, which was also new. And I said, if that were the only thing that happened, that would have been enough. But it wasn't. I also, over the course of the last several years, where I've gained a bunch of weight and find myself very unhappy with how I've allowed this to occur, every morning when I get dressed, put my too tight pants on, then I sit down on the bed and I, I struggle putting on my socks, and as I'm leaning over, trying to squeeze down far enough to get my socks on, I'm just judging myself. My gosh, Andrew, how on earth have you allowed yourself to be like this? What, what is wrong with you? And so my days would start with, first of all, I'd wake up exhausted. Then I'd, then I'd add that judgment to my life. So that was no fun. I said, but this morning, it occurred to me to put my socks on first. And everyone started laughing. And, uh, and then I said, I was so pleased with how I felt when I put my socks on that I kind of got up and strutted around for a bit. Now, don't take in the visual or imagine the visual. It may be unpleasant, but I did that. And, and again, this is a very different experience for me and everyone's laughing and Linda's like, that is a seminar right there. And I said, and, and it went beyond that. Then I decided to do something else. I thought instead of wearing my new really clean pants that no one had seen me wear so that I would show up to this event in a new outfit, I said, well, I really don't care about that. I'm going to wear my stretched out too tight pants that, I've, or that are not, that have loosened up now that I wore on the airplane on the way here. And so I did. And, and I said, and so here I sit before you, well-rested, comfortable, and that's very different for me. Anyway, so I went home from that conference with that bit of insight. And one of the things I learned at that conference that had never occurred to me before, even after years of doing things that would challenge my thinking, it never occurred to me that my thinking maybe wasn't true. I thought every once in a while that, you know, some of my thoughts weren't true, but it didn't occur to me that maybe none of it was doing me any favors. And so I kind of adopted the phrase, it's just thought. Now, if you 
have been anywhere in the world of self-help in the last several years, you've heard this idea. You've heard people say it's just thought. And that is the beginning, just the beginning of the freedom that's available from that. It's more a psychological tool than it is really an understanding. So the, the things that I took from that weekend, I psychologically tried to figure out and make those things work over the course of the next several months. And things did work a little bit better for me over the course of the next several months than they had for you know the the years leading up to that so there was a little sprinkle of hope in my life but again still this this underlying feeling of i'm not enough there's something wrong with me i have depression um i've inherited this mental illness from my mom's side of the family again i talked about that on a previous episode of the podcast and it's just how I am, and it's just uh, I'm just going to have to endure this for the rest of my life. So that went on and on and on, um, and then a, a year later, I had I found myself descended again to a very low state, and um, I attended a, a workshop. I got invited to a seminar that was led by Bill and Linda Pettit, the doctors Pettit. Look them up as well. They're just brilliantly caring, understanding people who make a difference in the lives of every person they come around. And so I found myself in this seminar with them, and, and Dr. Dr. Bill Pettit stood at the front of the room at the beginning of the seminar. I think there were about 20 of us at the seminar. And he said, if there's one thing that each of you could take home from this weekend one question you'd like to have answered. What is it? And so each person came up with their question and he would write it on a, a flip chart with one of those sticky flip charts. And every time he wrote one down, he'd take it off and stick it on the wall. So on the wall were the questions that everyone at the seminar had. And it came around to me and I was one of the last couple of people there and my question i swear i've never in my life asked a question with more earnestness than i did this one and first of all i had to set myself apart um to try to be funny i said well first you know the name of this conference is overcoming ptsd using the three principles nothing lacking never broken and I'm, I'm not even sure if I qualify to be here. I don't even know if I have PTSD. So that was my first kind of joke comment. But after that, I said what I really meant. And I could feel the question. And I said, this experience that you talk about of peace and well-being, is it possible for that to become home for me? Because up until now, that has only been something that I visited and I visited very briefly. So he wrote that, can peace and well-being become home on a sticky note flip chart, stuck it on the wall. And then we went on about the conference. And as I sat in that conference and listened and participated, my gosh, I heard so many things that were just really huge aha moments. And um, I was shocked at the common sense and the clarity of 
their understanding. And of course, he'd been a psychiatrist for 40 years, and he talked about the the body-brain connection and how um, what goes on in your brain impacts the way your body functions and the production of cortisol and how that decreases this and that and the next thing. And I don't want to go into all the details of it now, but I was just like, why does everyone in the world not know this? Why is this not a full year class in school? Because things started clicking for me and making sense. But the thing that got said that weekend that made the biggest difference was something that I heard Linda say when she said, um, I had been resistant to the three principles. And I knew that Bill used them in his practice, but I'd been pretty resistant to them for a long time because here I was, a very well formally educated psychologist, and I'm going to lean on some three principles from some ninth grade educated immigrant Scottish guy above all my formal training. That doesn't make sense. But down the road, and this is what I heard, and she, she noticed that Bill's patients got better pretty, pretty quickly, and there were some remarkable stories. And so she started to share the three principles in her work. And then she noticed that her patients were feeling um, positive effects on their lives and their mental health more quickly than they were before. And so eventually she got to the point where she just was using almost entirely the three principles. And, um, and this is what I heard her say. And I wrote it down in my notes for that weekend. And she said, it got to the point where when someone would call in for an appointment with me, I would simply say, great, before you come in, I want you to watch a video called The Great Illusion. It's 33 minutes long, and a guy named Sidney Banks will talk about The Great Illusion of Life and The Three Principles. I want you to watch it twice, and when you come in, we'll talk about what you heard. Now, after the seminar was over, I went around and asked everyone if they were going to do what I was going to do, which was go home and treat myself like a patient of Linda Pettit. And uh, they said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, she said she does this. Did she? And none of them had heard her say it or noticed it or taken a note about it. But I was, I was sure she said it. So uh, I went home and I decided that night that I was going to sit down and watch Sidney Banks talk about the three principles, the great illusion for 32 minutes, and I was going to do it twice. And I did. And I sat here in my office in my chair. And uh, I would I listen to it for 32 minutes and then took a, I don't know how long I sat here after that. I just sat here and did nothing maybe 30, 45 minutes, something like that. And then I started watching it again. And I, I did notice that I was feeling pretty good. And after I'd watched it the second time, I just sat in my chair and let it settle. 
And as I did that, this feeling started to rise up inside me, and then something incredible happened. The thoughts that I had about myself, all my beliefs started falling off my head. And I know this sounds a little bit woo-woo, California spiritual, and I just don't have any other way to share it. My thoughts were falling off my head and crashing onto the floor around me like sheets of ice sliding off a melting glacier and crashing into the sea. And it was a visual experience, and I'm sitting in the same spot right now and, and remembering looking around at the floor and seeing visually my beliefs about myself on the floor. Andrew, you're not good enough. Andrew, you'll never be successful. Andrew, you're a bad friend. You're not a good dad. You're good at some sports, but not near as good as you should have been. You've wasted time, you know, just all of this stuff. And after a few moments, they were all gone. Every thought, every belief that until a few moments earlier had been occupying space in my brain was gone. And my mind went silent. And the feeling that rose up inside me was indescribable. And the only word that I can use to describe it at that moment was love. And it was exactly the same feeling that I had in the brief death experience. And I was so taken aback by the feeling that I wondered if I had died. Because I thought that I had learned that you had to die to feel this feeling. Because the only time I'd felt it before was when I, I had flatlined. So I'm checking myself, touching my shoulders and whatnot. And, no, you're alive. Okay, then what is this? And as clear as a bell, this understanding rose up inside me that said, I'm you. This is who you are. This is who we all are. And in that moment, I knew the difference between who I was and who up until that moment I had thought I was. I knew the difference between my spiritual nature, the spiritual truth of who I was, who I am, and the physical identity that I had thought I was up until that moment. And everything changed. And I looked around my office and everything looked different. It looked crystal clear and everything felt slow. And this feeling was just filling up every bit of the space I occupied in this chair. I started to cry as I understood. And then I started writing down answers to questions I'd always had. I got on the computer and I typed out several pages of answers. Why did this happen? Why this? Why this? Why? What is depression? What is, what's, why am I here? What? It all was crystal clear to me. And then uh, I, and then I, I realized that everything was going to be different from here on out. And I got up out of the chair after a couple of hours 
And if you've ever watched the movie Limitless, there's a really cool moment in that movie when Bradley Cooper first takes the drug that makes him limitless. And the narration that he gives behind that scene is super powerful. He says, I wasn't high. I wasn't wired. I was clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. And that's what it felt like. I wasn't high. I wasn't wired. But man, was I clear. Like HD crystal clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. And it was simple, simple things. It wasn't change the world stuff. It was, Andrew, your family needs some things at Walmart. Go to Walmart and get them. And I walked out without thinking and got in the car and drove to Walmart. And I didn't go to the Walmart that I would normally go to. I went to the one that isn't as nice. But I didn't think about it. I just knew that's where to go. And when I got there, I had interactions with people that were more powerful than any interactions I'd had with anyone in years. People I met in the aisle. Powerful connections with them. People I met in the parking lot. But the one that stood out the most happened when I was checking out with the few items that I went to pick up and I didn't need a list for those items because I just knew. And I got in line and the cashier was clearly at the top of his capabilities um, at that point. He was having a difficult time handling the transactions of those that were in front of me. And he was clearly frustrated and the people were frustrated. I wasn't. I felt absolutely complete and pure peace wasn't bothered by anything. And as it came my turn to get up there, I said hello to this young man and he looked at me and he started to talk to me in a way that people don't talk to, you know, people at the cash register at Walmart. He didn't ask if I found everything I was looking for. I don't even remember specifically what he said, except I do recall that he asked me something about a problem his sister was having. And somehow I knew what to say to help him with that. And I looked through his eyes and saw his soul. And to this day, I have never seen anyone in the the way I saw that young kid working at Walmart. It was the the purest connection that I've ever had with another human. And it was overwhelmingly beautiful. And we actually talked for a couple of minutes. Now, you can imagine that this would frustrate people in line behind me, but it didn't. They all seemed to be feeling the same peace that I was feeling. And that this young man was feeling. And there was no expression of frustration or impatience. And I got my stuff and I walked out and I went home. And then I went downstairs and wrote some more, did some more things. And then I went to bed about one o'clock in the morning. And the next day I woke up at 5 a.m. feeling magnificent. Which thing I had not remembered 
ever really doing. I think I got a glimpse of it when I was in Laconer for the Three Principles Conference, but it was nothing like this. And I woke up with complete energy. And then I went and did things that morning. It was a Sunday morning, did things that I hadn't done in years. I went to church very, very early. Hadn't been going to church at all for a while before that. Went there very early. I set up all the chairs in the building before anyone else got there. People came in. I saw them differently. I listened to everything differently. It was was incredible. And this feeling persisted for a long time. And I came home after church that day, and neither of my two boys had gone to church. And JC, of course, was already married and moved away. Um, so she wasn't there either. And my wife had, I think, worked late the night before, so she didn't go either. And I came home, and I sat at the kitchen table with my wife, Jill. And I said to her, things are going to be different. And she looked at me and she said, yeah, sure. You always come home excited from things like this, but nothing ever really changes. I'll believe it when I see it. Now, it would make sense for me to have taken that personally, to have been bothered by that. I wasn't I looked at her with complete understanding and she was right. She had every right to say that because that was exactly the way it had been. I had come home from so many of these things with excitement, with a desire to change and with hope that it was going to change, but it never did. And I just said to her, I understand why you would feel that way and you'll see. And it wasn't a you'll see like, You'll see I'm going to prove it to you. It was a, there is no way that you won't see this and I don't care how long it takes. You will see it and when you do, we'll talk about it. Well, that day came about three weeks later at my birthday lunch, my 48th birthday. We went out for dinner and after dinner, she just finished wiping off her face with her napkin and she put it down on the table and looked at me and said, what happened? you're not the same person. I said, yeah, you can see that, can't you? And she said, oh yeah. And then from that point on, the depth of our relationship was different. We talked about things. She asked me questions, which she really hadn't done up to that point, um, about her friends. And she started sending me people sending people to me to so I could help them. And, and then people started showing up out of nowhere, calling me and saying, I don't really know why I'm calling you, but um, it just occurred to me to call you. And I would say to them, well, why don't you tell me what's going on in your life? And I, I probably have a pretty good idea of why you're calling me. And what I found was as I shared the experience of how I came to know what I now know and understand. And as I shared the understanding itself, that it had a very powerful impact on people's experience of life. And I was now able to help people who I understood because I had lived like them or similar to them for the first 48 years of my life. But now it was different. 
Now I knew the difference between who I am and who I thought I was. And I think that that is going to be the end of today's podcast. And I apologize for those of you who listened to this podcast over a year ago and have reached out to me and asked for more episodes. I apologize that it's taken me this long. But I'm committed to sharing things that will help as I look around in this world and I see people suffering on a greater scale than ever before. And I know why it's happening. And I understand their suffering and I understand why they're suffering. And if you're one of the people suffering, I understand. And I want you to know that you don't have to. There is a simple understanding available to you that will help free you from that suffering and help you have an experience of life that is much more filled with ease, much more filled with enjoyment, freedom, better relationships, more fun in your job, greater success. There's no end to the impact on your physical experience of life that this understanding can have. So again, I thank you so much for joining me today. And the next episode uh, will come out within the next week. And um, we will do that more and more as time goes forward. So have a great day. Again, this is Andrew from People Who Suffer. Talk to you later. Bye.